You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in literally just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, which is great because there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to help you get closer to the action for a great value. I used SeatGeek myself last basketball season here in Dallas to get tickets to go see Yogi Ferrell play, and I used them this offseason to buy my wife concert tickets so I can vouch for them from personal experience. They are my go-to app when I need tickets. SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and they can do the same for you. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers bounce back from their disappointing performance against Fort Wayne to get a victory against Tennessee Tech, 87-59. to This is a game that the Hoosiers led by 12 at halftime and then just steadily extended the lead in the second half, playing really well, especially on the defensive end. And after what Archie Miller talked about in the pregame with Don Fisher was a very, very tough and intense and competitive week of practice. His team really seemed to respond, came out, played much more focused, much more intense, much more selfless and together, and it resulted in a, in a, a very impressive win against a Tennessee Tech team that, while not highly rated by any means, they're ranked around 200th, they are an experienced team, do have a lot of three-point shooters, and Indiana really didn't give them much life around the three-point line at all. Uh, so all in all, a good performance from the Hoosiers, and we're going to break it all down for you on tonight's episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCright. And let's start tonight's show how we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for tonight's banner moment, I want to take you back to the second half. And it was 56-43. to 43. Indiana had gotten off to a nice start in the second half, but Tennessee Tech was kind of hanging even in the second half. They had a little breakaway dunk, and it felt like they might have a sliver of hope to get back in the game. And Andy Katz, who was doing the color commentary, even mentioned, you know, is Indiana now going to be able to extend the lead? And boy, did they, in quick order. Because with the score at 56-43, there was a particular possession 
where Robert Johnson, Josh Newkirk, both passed up good looks from three to get a great look for Zach McRoberts. And Zach stepped up and made it to his credit because he missed three threes in the first half, came back in the second half and knocked down a couple. And I thought that was important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's great to see Zach making those outside shots and beginning to present a threat on offense. But more importantly, it again, it showed the selflessness that the guys played with on offense. And Archie talked in the postgame after the Fort Wayne game about how disappointed he was at how selfishly Indiana played on offense. And tonight, we saw that selflessness, whereas the assist rate uh, was about 34-35% in that Fort Wayne game tonight. It was up around 56%. And I thought it was because there were so many times when Indiana passed up a good look to get a great look for a teammate. And on that particular possession, it extended the lead from 13 to 16. And then the next two possessions, Josh Newkirk would drive to the bucket and score. That pushed it out to 20. And I don't believe Tennessee Tech ever got it any closer than that. So a lot was accomplished there in those few possessions. Uh, and to me, that was tonight's banner moment. Because it's always great to see a team really, really respond to the specific keys of their coach for the game. Indiana obviously didn't do it in the Fort Wayne game. They obviously did tonight. And boy, after that performance against Fort Wayne and with what these practices were like, if Indiana didn't come out and respond to some of the keys from the coaching staff, there'd be a lot to worry about. But at least they did. And so we can all exhale for one night. Uh, that this season isn't going to totally <laughs> go down the tube. So that's a good thing. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? Well, let me give you three good reasons. Number one, they have awesome designs. They've got you know the regular designs that they came out with when they first launched and made a big splash with, inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier state. And they've added a bunch of them. They've got some really cool shirts uh, for Indiana high schools. They've obviously got our assembly call t-shirts. Uh, and they've got officially licensed Indiana gear now. So you can go there and get shirts to support the football team, the soccer team, the basketball team. They've got a ton there at HoosierProud.com. Number two, their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com they're very generous to Assembly Call listeners as they give you 15% off your entire order. So go to HoosierProud.com, browse their t-shirts, and not just on one t-shirt, but your entire order, get 15% off by using the promo code Assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Again, that's HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms, and his Bottoms line is brought to us by IUStore.shop. Andy? Your thoughts on tonight's IU victory? Well, I think a couple things stood out to me uh, in addition to what you said. I mean, the assist numbers were much better. I think they had as many assists in the second half of the game tonight as they did against the entire game against Fort Wayne, or, or at least somewhere close. But, um, yeah, the other thing, they started the game by, I think, 10 of their first 25 shots came from three-point range. And, you know, I kind of tweeted that out because it was another case of, you know, this team just, there's no circumstance under which this team should take 40% of its attempts from, from behind the three-point line. and so. Really, the remainder of the first half and the early part of the second half when, you know, kind of before, you know, Clifton Moore and, and some other guys came in, you know, shooting threes there toward the end, they really made a concerted effort to stick with it. They were successful uh, finishing inside because Tennessee Tech doesn't have a ton of height, but they also got to the free throw line a ton, I think uh, 17 times, I want to say, in the second half. Um, and so that aggressiveness, they actually maintained that for 
one of the longer stretches where they didn't allow themselves to get taken out of what they wanted to do offensively. And I thought that was uh, really important. Then obviously the defensive intensity, you know, 10 blocks, 10 steals in total for the game. Uh, there was just a different level of, 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 again, sustained energy. It wasn't that there weren't dips in that. You know, there was kind of a lull, uh, kind of mid to late in the first half where they then pushed, pushed the lead back by halftime. But there was a little bit of that lull. But, um, you know, I really thought they, you know, tried to take the uh, Serbian sugar fella, uh, tried to take him out of the game. Uh, and I thought Robert Johnson did a good job of that. And you could see there was a possession early on where he, it, like was actively fighting the instinct to go and kind of help inside and caught himself midway through and, and ran back out to the to the shooter. So you're starting to see it in in bits and pieces. Um, but I thought just overall the 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 intensity, the it, you know, the defense tonight was uh, was sustained. And obviously we can talk about the opponent and all those kinds of things. But I think um, they really did do a good job of, of keeping that energy up. And uh, obviously, like everyone else, would be curious to know the number of deflections in the game tonight. But but perhaps we'll never know for sure how many there were. <laughs> All right. And now let's get Zach McCright's opening thoughts. Zach, it's awesome to have you back with us. Good to be back. Uh, I've got the over-under set at two and a half for Serbian sugar references during the show tonight. Looks well, that's like already two. Off, looks like we're off to a really good start. Um I, look, I, I um, I, I know before we went on the air, you know, I, I was talking back and forth a little bit with Jared, and and you know, I, I and I, I'm not going to be Debbie Downer by any stretch. This is this is what we want to see, right? But um, it, it, I I find myself, and I told my friends, we have a little text chain, me and like nine other buddies that are all big IU fans, and and it was just like, what what kind of result tonight? will we be like elated about and to to have one by 28 and not be like super related i i i guess there probably wasn't one uh, but this is as close as you're going to get i, I you know? think I mean, only that, relieved was on the table i don't think elated is on the table tonight i mean <laughs> seriously what other like it, it, is there any you're you're playing a, a team that is uh by all accounts uh, at least 20 points worse than IU on most nights, and you're coming off a home loss where you lost by 20 to uh, another in-state team. So I don't really know what else you could do. But um, but that that all being said, um, you know this team is this is kind of the team you expect to see when you do play Fort Wayne and when you do play Indiana State. It's not necessarily the team you you, you think you're going to expect to see when you're playing a Duke or, or a Michigan or a Louisville, but you know, the, these non-conference games, these buy games, as they like to call them, you know, you expect to see these sorts of, of performances. Um, uh, hello to Josh Newkirk. Uh, I think that's a, that's an interesting piece to tonight's game. I, that, that's a, that's a kid that um, I have a Jekyll and Hyde relationship with. Um, he doesn't know this, but, but I do. And, um, and, and, I I um I kind of like that it, it seems as though and and correct me if I'm wrong because at the end of the night it, it's 24 three point attempts for uh, this this team and and I was looking I think that matches a season high for them in a game um, but it felt more inside out than it usually does and that's been something that's that's uh, frustrated me I, I feel like sometimes. Um, you know, the, the Juwan How, you know, and Juwan Howard's 37 point performance. Morgan, Juwan Morgan. 
Juwan. He's a junior now. We have to stop Juwan, calling him Juwan, Juwan Howard. Howard. Yes, he's. Uh, <laughs> it, it appears he's five years removed from even being an NBA coach anymore. Um, no, Juwan Morgan. I look his thirty-seven point performance aside, um, where they were going inside to him a lot. Um, I just feel like you know. Throw it in there. Throw it in there. I feel like good things happen when you throw it in there. So um, yeah. I felt like he got back a little bit to that tonight. So all in all, um, thumbs up and, and uh, you know, let's go to the next game, I guess, right? Yep, exactly. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCrite breaking down Indiana's 87-59 to 59 win over Tennessee Tech. And I guess, you know, that's that's the challenge in a game like this, right? Okay, so we're all relieved. We got the win. You know, we saw that this team can respond to some tough coaching. That's all good. Now the question is of what we saw tonight, you know, what can now carry over, not just into the Youngstown State game, because they're, uh, you know, right around 300 in Ken Palm. That, frankly, should be another game like this, maybe even a bigger margin if Indiana brings the same level of focus. But what of the things we saw tonight can translate to Madison, Wisconsin, and up there to Minneapolis, Minnesota for those first two Big Ten games, Andy? Because, you know, I think when you look at it, I mean, Josh Newkirk has 20.6 assists, four rebounds. It kind of feels like he's good for a couple of these in the non-conference schedule. I don't know that I necessarily trust it in Indiana's next big game. Kudos to him for stepping up and really leading tonight. And I thought he played terrific, you know, but I don't know that that's something here that you're going to count on. I'll tell you one of the things that I really liked early in the game, and we didn't see it a whole lot after that, but I think it is something that could translate later on is I thought Deron Davis tonight came out with a mentality to dominate a little bit more. Now he only ended up scoring nine points, only ended up with three field goal attempts. And I thought as the game went on, maybe part of it was the injury. You know, he wasn't demanding the ball as much. We were having a tough time getting it into him, but that first possession, when he made that cut and exploded toward the rim to actually dunk it, I loved seeing that because we know Deron has great footwork. We know he has nice touch and he can score that way. But in a game like this where he's got that kind of size advantage, seeing him go out and try and physically dominate, I thought was nice to see. And so it's good that he was efficient. It's obviously good that he, you know, that injury didn't seem too severe. And I also thought he had a couple of defensive rebounds in the second half that were better than what we've seen, where he actually had to go out of his area, show some movement to get those. So his stat line was underwhelming, but I actually thought Duran showed some things that if he can take that and, 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 translate it into a game against Wisconsin, a game against Minnesota, that's something that Indiana can really kind of count on and that they'll need to win some of those games. Um, so, Andy, feel free to talk about that or anything else that you saw that you think can actually be taken from this into a game that, uh, for lack of a better term, matters. Well, I think, you know, I think, Duran, as you said, they, they played through him. I mean, it's kind of what, you know, Zach and I both alluded to in our, our opening comments was, around you know really playing inside out playing through the post taking two-point shots as opposed to threes and um you know it was another game where Duran, you look and he only played 12 minutes part of that was the injury it really wasn't fouls really wasn't matchups and some of that but it's like the guy plays 12 minutes has nine points five rebounds and, and two blocks and it's like you just want to see more of him on the court so uh, you know hopefully uh i mean i was glad to see him be able to come back in during the game i kind of wondered if they would would hold him out as a precaution but um i think that kind of the intent to relentlessly go inside with the basketball is something that has to go with them. I don't, I don't think it's a, uh, whether it will or won't, I think at this point, it, it, anybody, it's anybody's guess how this team looks game to game. Um, but what should happen is what happened uh, during that 
fairly lengthy stretch, you know, kind of late first half, early second, where they really just pounded the ball inside, either through the post or attacked the basket off the dribble. Um, you know, it, we're far enough into the season. We've seen a big enough sample size. This is not a good shooting team. That's not breaking news to anybody. And so that's the part of this that really has to sustain itself and probably even get a little bit more balanced, uh, or I guess not balanced, a little bit more, you know, slanted toward those, you know, two-point shots. But uh, I think being able to play through him is a big one. And I think just the overall intensity level on defense. Um, you know, guys are going to make mistakes. Shooters are going to get open. The one three they made in the first half, the guy's, you know, 28 feet from the basket with somebody in his face. Okay, fine. You can give that up. But watching open three after open three against, you know, Fort Wayne, um, just wasn't acceptable, and I thought they did a much better job of, of again, sustaining that. It's not that they haven't played well in stretches. It's just those have been so short um, and unsustained that it's. I think that's where the frustration comes in. All right, coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCrite, and we are breaking down Indiana's 87-59 to 59 Tennessee uh, victory over Tennessee Tech that has all IU fans breathing a little bit easier, a sigh of relief uh, after that poor performance against Fort Wayne. And it's time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And for the meaningful moment, I'm going to take you back to the first half because you know this was kind of a back-and-forth game there a little bit. You know, Indiana then was able to extend a lead out to about 10, 11 points, but Tennessee Tech came back and they actually got it to 27 to 24 at one point in the first half. And you kind of thought, uh oh, you know, here we go. You know, Indiana had a little bit of a lull. It was probably the one lull in focus and energy, especially on the defensive end. And I thought there was a really big play by Freddie McSwain uh, at that point when it was 29 24. So Indiana had scored one more bucket. And Devontae Green kind of dribbled into the lane, put up this floater. You know, not a terrible shot, but probably not the greatest shot that you could get. And Freddie McSwain hustled to get an offensive rebound, uh, got an extra possession, and that ended up turning into a Robert Johnson three-pointer, which put Indiana up eight. That was part of a big run that then ended up allowing Indiana to extend the lead back to 10. They ended up leading by 12 at the half. And so, you know, while those shots in the second half that took the game from 13 to 16 that I mentioned before, those were big and making sure Tennessee Tech didn't get any life in the second half, that little stretch in the first half to end the first half, you know, was able to give Indiana their lead back and it was big. And what I was particularly impressed with from Freddie is he did not start out the game well. He took an ill-advised 15-foot jumper on the first possession when he was in the game. He didn't hustle back on transition defense a possession later. And Archie Miller took him out immediately. And you could see from Archie's body language, how ticked off he was at Freddie for not hustling back in transition. 
But when Freddie got back in the game, he was a different guy. And one of the reasons Indiana was really able to dominate Tennessee Tech for that stretch is while, while Deron Davis only played 12 minutes, Freddie plays 15 and scores 10 points, grabs five offensive boards, and had a block. So kind of picked right up where Deron Davis left off and went out there and did Freddie McSwain things. And we haven't seen a lot of that recently. And so for him to get taken out and respond to that benching and really for the most part play well, I thought was really big. And at that particular time, getting that extra possession for the Hoosiers, which they turned into the three-point bucket, uh, was huge. Uh, Zach, I want to give you an opportunity here. Were there any other moments that kind of stuck out to you that maybe flew under the radar uh, or any other uh, storylines from this game that are jumping out to you? Yeah, I mean, just to, just hearing you talk, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's another storyline per se that that really sticks out but uh, well but i will i will mention with freddie mcswain um for me he's a guy that up until up until tonight i i i get frustrated with him in the lineup honestly and surely i'm not the only one that thinks that uh, of anybody listening or watching this but it's um, when he and mcroberts play together i can't you know I've always had a problem with that, but at least McRoberts is showing an offensive pulse more this year, yeah, and, that, and Freddie and, is too yeah. with the offensive rebound, so it hasn't been as and, bad. And both of them tonight uh, in the same game, yeah. you know, so, uh, you know, which which is ironic, but um, I, I, I was, one of the things that I wrote down tonight is, you know, I, I don't know what, what Justin Smith did to not get in the lineup anymore, but I want him in, and I want his, his McSwain's minutes to go to him, you know, at least up until tonight. Um, you know, uh, McSwain did, um, you know, kind of like what you said, McSwain things, um, five offensive rebounds signed me up. You know, I think that's, that's something that, um, that this team really needs. And then, you know, just to piggyback off something that Andy said a little bit earlier about the sharing of the basketball, um, you know, obviously, and, and you talked about it in your, in your uh, banner moment, uh, Jared, this, that just the, the early the extra pass and and that all looked good tonight and obviously the opponent has a little bit to do with that but um you know the the one constant i try to find statistics that 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 will show some sort of rhythm and i i i the only one i can find is assists and you know and obviously you're going to get those when you're playing teams like howard and eastern michigan and arkansas state etc 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 but Notre Dame and Iowa are two other games where this team had 14 or more assists in one. The top five, and now you can make it the top six assists games for IU. They are uh, six and zero. Oh. And the other question, and I don't, uh, we don't have to get into this now, but one thing that um, I, I would love to say for one segment here is, what kind of pace do you all like with this team? Because it seems like that if you, if you, if you go by just number of possessions, it seems as though Indiana is better the more possessions they have if you look at possession numbers however i feel like turn the turnover number starts to turn a lot too in those situations so you know that that's another thing that that, that i'll throw out there that's just got me thinking tonight in a game where we, you know we're trying you know you, you're, you're happy with the win but now you try to process it in the grand scheme of things yeah no, that's a good question uh andy you had a stretch that you wanted to hit too yeah, it was it came in the second half. Um it was I think 55 it's like about um 56-43 and the you know it was kind of what you said they built that lead at halftime. They were back and forth a little bit, never really got any closer than 10 and and hadn't really built the lead up very much. Um but that was really when Newkirk kind of went on a, a run there. So 
IU went on a 14-2 run from that point, and Newkirk scored or assisted on 12 of those uh, 14 points for IU. And that wow. was basically a four-minute stretch where you know, the, the lead grew from 13 to 25. Um, and I thought that was one where it was kind of like you're just letting them hang around. Didn't ever really feel in danger, but you also got the feeling that all of a sudden another, you know, Tennessee Tech hits a couple threes and everybody starts to get a little bit nervous. And, and it was a stretch that I thought he did a good job of getting to the basket, played some, you know, one of them came on a defensive play, um, hit McRoberts for a three for, for one of those, got to the free throw line, you know, kind of impacted the game in a variety of ways in a, in a really short stretch that uh, it, it really wasn't a game from that point forward, even if, you know, it was never really that close um, in the second half before it, it really extended the lead and, and gave him some breathing room. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottom and Zach McCrite breaking down Indiana's 87 to 59 win over Tennessee Tech. Guys, it is time to go inside the numbers. And the big one that jumps out to me for this game is the three point defense. Obviously, after that Fort Wayne game where another team comes into Simon Scott Assembly Hall and makes 17 three pointers, you know, and it was just. It was how they got those three-pointers, how wide open they were, how many defensive breakdowns time and time again were leading to them. And I think it had us all a little bit spooked heading into this game because this Tennessee Tech team, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team. They're top 100 in the country in terms of three-point percentage. They have one guy, the, the Serbian Sugar, uh, whatever his nickname is, you know, he was up around 47%. So, I mean, that guy could really shoot it. And I think a lot of us were worried, like, hey, if this defense doesn't really improve, this could be another team that comes in here and shoots lights out. Well, Indiana holds Tennessee Tech to just 28% three-point shooting, 5 for 18. But to me, it's that second number that's even more important than the first. Because, you know, there have been a lot of studies done on three-point defense. And actually, what a lot of those studies have shown is that the defense actually doesn't do a great job of determining the opposing team's shooting percentage. But what the defense does do is determine how many attempts they get. And obviously, you know, a team gets more attempts, they have more chances of them going in, and you start getting hot and you're getting a lot of attempts. Well, you saw what happened with Indiana State and Fort Wayne. So Indiana holds Tennessee Tech to just 18 attempts. That's only one more than Fort Wayne and Indiana State made. And Tennessee Tech came into this game taking 33% of their field goal attempts from three-point range. In this game, they only got 28%. You know, and Andy, you mentioned, you know, Robert Johnson's, you know, obvious focus on staying with shooters and not, you know, uh, overhelping inside. And I just thought, you know, this was another place to me where Indiana was really in tune with their coach. Because the other thing Archie said to Don Fisher before the game is that our guards have to do a better job of defending. And I thought Indiana's guards did a much better job on the ball just providing pressure, not letting you know guys get into the lane, break them down, which then forces help, and now you've got a chance to get those open kick-out threes, and also recovering out to shooters. So really big tip of the cap to Indiana's three-point defense tonight, not just because Tennessee Tech shot a poor percentage, but it's because Indiana limited their attempts in the first place, and when you look at three-point defense, that's actually more important, the attempts, than whatever percentage the opposing team shoots. So that, to me, is the biggest number that jumps out. Andy, what jumped out to you from the stats? Well, I mean, the other the other big one that everybody talked about after the Fort Wayne game was turnovers and points off of turnovers. So tonight, just 10 turnovers. had five in each half, uh, and that only led to four Tennessee Tech points. So that's, uh, I mean, a pretty, pretty direct correlation there. So yeah, you know, and how many care. of those were live ball? I mean, I don't even remember looks many like, of those. Things. Looks like eight of them because there was eight steals on here. Wow. I actually was surprised that there was that many, but yeah. Um, 
and I thought when they did make mistakes, they did a pretty good job of, of recovering. I think that was the other thing they, you know, would scramble against Fort Wayne. I thought they did a pretty good job of getting back. I guess the four points off turnovers would, uh, would support that. And then, you know, kind of like I said, defensive activity level. I mean, the second half stats really across the board are, are pretty impressive. Eight blocks and five steals in the second half alone. Free throw rate over 50% with 17 free throws and 13 field goal attempts. Um, that was a big one. Nine assists in the second half on 15 made field goals. So, um, you know, that was a really good, really good stretch. I mean, they missed, you know, didn't shoot the ball all that well in the second half uh, when it was all said and done. But I thought, you know, did a lot of good things that that hopefully they can build on. I think one of the ones, uh, Jared, that you mentioned is maybe a potential negative was they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, particularly in the second half. Um, and even for the game, I think gave up a, a pretty good number, maybe about a third of the of the total rebounds they uh you know, so maybe about 33, yeah, pretty close. And Juwan Morgan in particular gave up several of them, missed some blockouts. Um, not, yeah. it, was not, it was not a banner day for Juwan today, I didn't think, especially on the defensive glass. Yeah, so overall rebounding numbers look pretty good. That was one area for, I guess, potential concern. But, uh, yeah, I think the three-point attempts was definitely an interesting one to look at as well. Zach, what jumped out to you? You know, I just thought that everybody kind of got in the scoring game. And, and yeah. um, you know, I, I, I was – I had thought that going in, and I just, you know, I picked up the box score a little bit later than I know you guys usually do. Three, four, five, six, seven guys with eight points or more. Six of those guys with nine points or more. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. Juwan Morgan didn't have the kind of night like you guys said, but, um, you know, I, I it, it was nice to see a guy like Zach McRoberts, who we all love on one side of the floor, but but we don't love on the other side of the floor get into the game and, um, and, and, uh, McSwain, like we've already talked about, you know, um, I know these sorts of things come with the caveat of who your opponent is, but in a, in a year where you've already lost to teams like Fort Wayne and Indiana state, you almost have to treat these games. I hate to say it, but treat these games equally in terms of, uh, what kind of production you get out of some of these players, at least for now. And so, um, I, I don't want to shy away from that. I think the, the, and that goes by the back, by the way, to sharing the basketball, in my opinion, and, and, and these guys being open. You don't, you know, McSwain's not a shooter, but he's open when he grabs an offensive rebound and he's open when somebody else is dishing him the ball, you know, and uh, same goes for Mick Roberts when he's open from three point range. You know, those things are happening with an extra pass. So um, very unselfish on the offensive end, I think, is the overall theme there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, McRoberts did a nice job of stuff in the stat sheet tonight. Nine points, no, eight points. He had three assists. He had six boards, you know, made both of his three-point attempts in the second half. It was, I know a lot of people, I got several tweets about he needs to stop shooting when he missed those three. Frankly, I, I didn't agree with that. I think Zach needs to keep shooting, assuming that he's going to make some eventually, because he's playing too many minutes to not be a threat. And so I think it was huge that he came out and knocked those in. And I think the other thing that he really added to his game tonight is some really smart basket cuts. You know, we saw the one he had that give and go with Juwan in the first half that was great to see. Uh, he had another one where he made a basket cut, had a good look for a layup, passed it up for a great look on a Duran dunk. Again, that theme. So that was really nice to see from Zach. Really, and we know the defense is going to come, Zach, like you said. So to see him not just make shots, but really be a threat in multiple ways, you know, as his confidence grows, that's really going to make him more valuable out there on the court, which is awesome to see. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we will continue our breakdown of Indiana's win over Tennessee Tech. I just saw a great quote from Archie Miller's press conference come in, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, that is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Zach McCrite and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's bounce back win over Tennessee Tech, 87 to 59. And they bounced back in large part, as we have talked about, because they just came out and played harder and played more focused and played more together and played more selflessly. And these were all adjectives in the opposite that Archie Miller was using after that Fort Wayne game. And so, you know, we knew we expected In fact, the reason why, you know, why Ryan is uh, is off tonight is he was doing his victory lap after uh, predicting that Indiana uh, would have a letdown performance against uh, against Fort Wayne. He got lost on his victory lap. Uh, and then, you know, of course, he talked about how hard of a week this would be practice. And I think we could all see that coming. But Archie's quote from his postgame press conference is, uh, I guess, Alex Bozich, uh, or I don't know who asked the question. Alex Bozich tweeted it. Uh, I'm going to have to be a raving lunatic every day, is what Archie said. <laughs> and you know, that's what I was thinking, watching how these guys played at the, at the beginning of the game and hearing how hard practices were and how intense the shoot around was and just you know, how intense everything was is, you know, if you're the players on this team now, basically what you've shown your coach is you respond to him being a hard ass on you. And so, you know, obviously those are buttons that you can't push all the time. You know, you can do it maybe a couple times a year, I think, before, you know, guys might tune that out. But maybe Archie is realizing with this team that even though it's a veteran laden team, which you would expect to be more internally led, they may need more you know, kind of finger on the button and, and really extra hard coaching to keep them focused from game to game. And so maybe that's something that we've learned from that this from these last couple games. Maybe that's something Archie's learned that he's going to have to do a little bit more of in the future. But, you know, hey, if he was a lunatic all week in practice, I know, I mean, Robert Johnson came out and I thought played especially hard today. I think a lot of guys really, you know, amped up the level about three or four notches from where they were against Fort Wayne. So, Archie, whatever you did, it definitely worked. And I will just say, I'm relieved that he did that and they responded. Because if he pushed all those buttons and we saw another flat performance, I think we'd be on here right now saying, I don't know where we turn after this. So that's another reason for a sigh of relief, Andy. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's some of these games where you know, it's it's easy to get excited about playing Duke. It's easy to get excited about you know playing the the bigger teams on the schedule. And and I think as much as everybody hung their hat on, well, this is a veteran team, and they might be able to overcome some of the talent deficiencies and some of those kinds of things. I think what we're seeing is that that veteran team doesn't necessarily lead to those you know to those things and and being able to do that. And so uh, if that means that he has to be on him a little bit more, I thought he had a really quick hook um, with. Uh, you know, with a number of guys, uh, you know, after either bad shots or defensive breakdowns. And I think it's just going to have to continue to be that way. And maybe after a little bit more, you kind of ease back a little bit and see if they've got it figured out on their own. But I think for now, he's got to be riding them pretty hard um, throughout. And I I honestly, I, I could see him through some of the shots. I just don't know if he and Devontae Green are going to be able to coexist together. Oh, my gosh. Some of the shots, I, I, I know exactly. feel like there's just I know exactly what you're saying shooting out of it he took that one three in the first half and you could just see flames like shooting out of his head and i was like oh this is this is going to end poorly for for Devontae. but uh aren't yeah, you fun to watch on the sideline yeah I, yeah I, he is. I, I i i like i mean he's so much more um 
so much more fun to watch than Tom Crean. No offense to Crean. Crean, Crean well, I'll take that back. Crean was fun for other reasons, uh, but but uh, I, I do like uh, watching Archie. Um, I, I there's two ways to skin that, as far as I'm concerned, Jared. Because um, I'm, I'm speaking of Archie's quote about how he's going to have to be a raving lunatic, and and uh, that's one way to look at it is, and I'll start with the negative first, is that this was a back and forth game out of the gate, you know? So out of the gate, did you know, how much responding did they really do? Nah, but they look, they look different. I, I mean, it was for a little bit, but then they extended the lead. The, the one lull I thought was from about the eight minute mark to the four minute mark in the first half. But I think, I think they came out of the right. gate playing really hard. Yeah, I mean, perhaps, I, I, you know, maybe some shots fell for Tennessee Tech. I mean, I thought offensively they looked good. Defensively, I was starting to bite my fingernails a little bit early on. But um, but I'll give you that. And the, the other way to look at it is if, if you need that sort of, you know, kick in the rear end, it it is nice for a coach to pull that out of his bag of tricks seemingly last. Okay, because there would have been a lot of other times before tonight to to try to pull that trick out of your bag, and uh, you know, I mean, he, he waited a long time. You know, he could have done it after the first game. You know, and 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 didn't. And um, so he, he he's get like it, that tells me he's given his team their own chances to figure this out from a motivational standpoint, and and uh, maybe they didn't work. You know, especially when. You know, maybe you're not playing like like uh, Andy said, a Duke or or whoever, or Michigan, what have you. Um, even though I guess Michigan's not a great example, but but uh, you know, you wait that long, and then boom, you know, all right, now my turn, all right, and and let's see what happens. And it sounds like it's not what 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 interests me about that quote is that sounds like coming from Archie, like that's not really his style, even though in the middle of a game, it kind of looks like it is his style to be kind of like that. So that to me is kind of odd too, but uh, I guess with every game, we're learning as much about Archie as Archie is learning about his team. Well, we've had some success with a raving lunatic on the sidelines before. So do what you got to do, Archie (laughs) within reason, within reason, the lines we don't want crossed, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it it feels a lot like the, you know, if I'm him, he's like, all right, well, you saw what happens when you do it your way. Now you're going to do it my way and we're going to see what happens. And maybe that's, you know, kind of how you spend some of that. Maybe, uh, maybe what Archie has learned over these last, what's this been now? 72 hours, you know, since the Fort Wayne game, you take that, the Notre Dame game into account, the Fort Wayne game. Now this game is kind of what we've known about this particular group of Hoosiers. You know, you look at it, you see all the experience, you would think, okay, this is, there's a lot of seniors playing a lot of minutes. This is probably a pretty mature, mentally tough team. These guys aren't that. I think they've got some talent. They've got some ability. They can get up for certain games, but this is not a group of players. And we saw it going back to last year. And for guys like Robert Johnson, you know, we've kind of seen it over his career. He's not a consistent player mentally. He's just not. And so I think maybe Archie is kind of figuring out now with this group of players that left to their own devices, they're probably not going to bring that consistent effort game to game that you might expect from a team with this much experience on paper. And, you know, we know it from watching them and kind of breaking down game after game after game and seeing the ups and downs and the Jekyll and Hyde nature of it. And so, you know, I don't think Archie can be a raving lunatic lunatic game after game, but 
you know, all coaches want their teams to be internally led. And obviously you would hope that it would be that way with seniors, but I just don't think it's going to be that way with this group. So Archie may have to lead more than he wants to in terms of just, you know, energy and vocally and all of that stuff um, to get these guys to try and bring it on a consistent basis. It just, I mean, Andy, that's in that just kind of what we know about this group of players at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things that fall into the category of things we don't know, but I think what you just described is one that, uh, yeah, the things we do know are what you said and, and outside shooting is not going to be a strength. And I, I think, yeah, I think part of that goes back to, I thought Zach brought up a good point. So we'll kind of circle back to that maybe, but the, the whole tempo thing, I mean, yeah, one of the big factors in the Fort Wayne game was they allowed themselves to get sped up and play in a way that they really couldn't be successful. Um, maybe a way that they've seen some success in in past years, but not a way that this team can be successful. And they allowed themselves to get lured into that game. And I think that speaks a little bit to the mental side of the thing side of things and the, you know, the comments that Archie made even after the Indiana State game. And if it, it, you know, if anything, we've learned this team sometimes kind of lacks the ability to control its own impulses to do certain things and and to play a certain way. And I thought tonight there were times when they started to get a little bit up and down, but they did rein it in a little bit. And uh, while they might be a little, the the ceiling, I guess, could get a little bit higher if they play more, you know, higher possession games. I think a game like tonight where I think it was 72 and their average on the season is about 68. I, I think that's the range, that 70 possession range is where they have to play because when they get up and down, they lose people in transition, they give up wide open shots, and it exaggerates the things that they do poorly. And they got into it, you know, tried to get into a three-point shooting contest, you know, against a team who that's what they want you to do on on Monday night. And and is something that by you know, by no means is where the way that you'd want IU to be able to play. So I guess I answer that question and I think it ties in a little bit to that kind of mentality of this team and what we know about them. Um, is that they might not know what's good for them and and they just need to uh hopefully learn that over the course of the season. Yeah. Oh go ahead. Zach. I, I would just I would just throw in there that, you know, the reason I throw that out there and because I think I'm in agreement with you. I feel like the, a lot of the turnovers come in 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 transition too, I, I a lot is probably being too strong, but I feel like they're they're the faster they go, the sloppier they play. Um, that being said, you know, and I I don't have possession numbers here, Andy, so maybe you can help me out with this. But I'm looking at field goal attempt. You know, I'm doing it the old fashioned way and adding up field goal attempts and 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 free throw attempts and and, and turnovers and such. And you know, I'm looking at the Iowa game and I'm like, man, they. Well, they threw up 66 shots. They were at the free throw line 23 times. That had to have been a fairly high tempo game. Um, that, yeah, that was that was 72 possessions. Tonight's yeah. was 72 as well. Okay, okay. So, so maybe it's not as uh, much as I thought. Well, so, but, yeah. you know, Notre Dame was 73, and it went to overtime. So, well, and, no, and those are two teams that play. I mean, both Indiana and Notre Dame are averaging about 67, 68. I mean, they're in the bottom like 250 in the country in pace. I mean, Indiana's not playing fast, but Archie did talk about you know, before the game that we do need to play with a good pace and take transition opportunities when they're there. And I think what Indiana really needs to do, you know, we saw Josh Newkirk a couple times today, you know, push it in transition. And he had a pass to Freddie McSwain that was one of those no, no, no. Oh, yes, he scored type passes. And and I think what Indiana needs to do is pick their spots because this is a team that when they can't get the ball inside, they do struggle in the half court. So they've got to find a way to get out and push it when transition opportunities present themselves. But without the mind-numbing live ball turnovers that we've seen. So 
it's one of those things that they're going to have to balance because they can't just totally slow it down. They've got to pick their spots to get those easy buckets because they're not good enough in the half court to not do that. But they're also not explosive enough offensively to handle a whole bunch of turnovers in transition. So there's got to be a balance there. And you hope that as these guys get more comfortable in the system and just get more comfortable together this year, uh, that they'll get a little bit better at, uh, at striking that balance. All right. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to be in our final segment. We're going to hand out our game balls. We will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Tennessee Tech. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Zach McCright and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's 87 to 59 victory over Tennessee Tech. Uh, and we're wrapping things up here. And so we are going to start with our game balls. And hey, you know, the last few games, it's felt like these game ball decisions were really, really easy tonight. There's a whole bevy of people to choose from. So let's see who we all go with. Andy, uh, you're first. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, maybe this is the easy one of the bunch. I'm going to take Josh Newkirk. I thought he, uh, you know, responded well, did a number of things. Obviously the 20 points looks great. Um, you know, got a number of those, you know, easy baskets in transition, had a big basket at the end of the first half to, to get the lead to 12, um, where they came out in a one, three, one, and he hesitated and just, you know, got to the rim and, and finished. Um, so he had 20 points, got to the line seven times, grabbed four rebounds, six assists, only two turnovers. Um, so I thought a really good game for him had the best plus minus on the team. I, I just thought he played really well. That stretch I mentioned earlier, uh, for me was a big one because it, you know, that lingering, eh, this could get closer than we want it to be. And and so I thought he did a good job, uh, of really playing under control. And I thought he in particular embodied a bit of what you just described of, of kind of picking their spots, uh, when they were in transition and, and for the most part, make good decisions. Zach, who gets your game ball tonight? You know, I'm going to go off the board a little bit compared to who people probably would think I would, you know, I would go with. Because obviously, like you said, Jared, there's a lot of different candidates tonight. But I'm going to go with Robert Johnson. And um, that's who I was going to take, by the way. So really? Yes. Um, he set I the think, tone. Yeah. I mean, totally, totally said. I mean, his effort was very good tonight. I mean, for, and that was one of the guys from start to finish. I thought his effort was really good. And. On top of that, and this is just a personal feeling of mine, and I don't know if everybody else shares it, but I'm finally getting back into the groove as a fan of being okay with him taking that three. You know, he was so, you know, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to call it a really long stretch, but there was a stretch there four or five games ago, six, seven, eight games ago, where, and I'm trying to do the math real quick, it looks like he was in a, a drought of two for 16. Uh, from yeah. behind the arc, starting with the Duke game and ending with the Louisville game. That's a four game Duke, Michigan, Iowa, Louisville. I mean, obviously not the easiest stretch alive, but um, since then, Notre Dame, Fort Wayne, Tennessee Tech, he's uh, nine of 24 now. So he went five of 10, two of seven, two of five. Um, you know, not earth shattering, 38%, but in his last three games, but starting to get that groove back. And so his his effort combined with his shooting seeming to get back into some sort of, uh, Robert Johnson esque form um, has me has me feeling much better vibes about him here in uh, in recent games. So I'll give him mine. For my game ball, I'm going with the raving lunatic Archie Miller. Uh, I think this is a game that had the imprints of the coach all over it, uh, and I think it's really important after that Fort Wayne game that Archie 
did whatever was necessary to make it clear that that kind of performance isn't going to be tolerated and that it's not up to the standard. And you would have hoped they wouldn't need that lesson a second time after it happened against Indiana State, but that game happened. Apparently, Archie called it you know, the, the worst loss of his career, the most disappointing, most perplexing one, and he had an answer. And I think that, of all the things that you can take from this game and maybe from this season so far that has been encouraging, I think his ability to get the team to come back, and not just that they you know, won by 20-some points against Tennessee Tech, which was expected, but it's the way they played and how everything that he keyed in on, they went out and did it. That has me really impressed. And so Archie gets my game ball uh, for having these guys really, really ready to play uh, tonight. And hopefully he learned a little something about them and they learned a little something about him that will prevent a game like Fort Wayne uh, from happening again in the future. Uh, okay, uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to go check out our friends at HoosierProud.com. You get 15% off when you do. Use the promo code Assembly at checkout. A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Uh, it's 15% off. The site is HoosierProud.com. Andy, uh, let's get a quick preview of Youngstown State, Indiana's next opponent. Uh, what challenges will they present? Uh, I believe that game is on December 29th. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, week okay. from uh, week from Friday. Well, Youngstown State is in the uh, rank 341st in defensive efficiency, so maybe another good game to uh, get the offense right. And for as many struggles as IU has had shooting the ball, Youngstown State shoots it worse from three and much worse from the free throw line. They're the third worst free throw shooting team in the country at 57.5%. So I'm not sure they will present uh, much of any unique challenge other than just uh, how they play after a layoff and, uh, again, not really overlooking anybody, but they... Uh, all the numbers look to be pretty, pretty poor. Well, and, you know, I saw someone tweet, you know, that they were they were struggling to kind of get up for this uh, this Tennessee Tech game, which I kind of get after that Fort Wayne performance. But, you know, this is kind of the last it's, you know, if you want to call it an easy game of the year, because then it's the Big Ten season. And so, uh, you know, this is kind of the last game that maybe should be one that we should be able to breathe a little bit easy in the second half. After this, they're all probably going to be uh, nail biters if Indiana is going to be in them. So try to uh, try. <laughs> yeah. God willing. Try, try, I, I hope they're nail biters. Yeah. Try try to enjoy this game if you can. A nice relaxing game to end the year. Yeah, uh, Youngstown right. State also dead last in two point defense. So oh, well, that bodes well. <laughs> yeah, get the ball inside. You know there. You know there's a there's a there's a version of this show at Youngstown State. I'm sure, and they're going. Look at Indiana's three point defense. Oh, they're like <laughs> they're like tenth to last. I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, so I'm sure they're laughing at us just as much as we're laughing at them. But uh, I, I'm I'm assuming IU will get the last laugh. Is there any Youngstown State basketball fans insane enough to do a post game show like this one? Hats off to those guys. No doubt. Hats off to them. Okay, let's go to uh, let's go to last call, fellas. We've all got about sixty seconds. Zach, we'll go to you first. Uh, you know, a get right game goes their way, so I'm I'm uh, I'm cool with that. I don't um, I don't expect um, anything to change in the Youngstown State game. Obviously, it's it's got it's got to be something where uh, you know this team kind of you, you would like to see this team kind of self motivate themselves. I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to that. But, um, you know, on top of that, I think it's just if if that sort of effort, there was a definite effort difference between this game and Fort Wayne. And there's not going to be times where that'll show up, especially in the Big Ten slate, that that's going to show up in the in the win column. But if you compete like that, I, I think we're at the point now as IU fans, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but at least for me, where if you're competing every game, 
I think I can probably live with the result. You know, I, I, I think I can, you know, ask me after uh, <laughs> a heartbreaking loss, but I think I can given the makeup of this team this year. So um, that's a, that's a big win for them. And uh, let's mark Serbian sugar. We hit the over by the way. Um, <laughs> let's sugar. find a better nickname for somebody that IU plays this year. Let's see if there's one out there. I think I'm all in in my Texas Hold'em game with Serbian Sugar. I'm going to start calling Alex that on Inside the Hall from now on. I'm just going <laughs> to refer to him as Serbian Sugar until he fires me as his podcast host. <laughs> Andy, last call. Uh, Ryan and I have some colorful nicknames for Ethan Happ, but I'm not sure if that counts. Um, oh. I think it's, uh, you know, this is the the Zach McRoberts era is clearly upon us. He had um, He's got 17 points in his last two games after having nine uh, in the first however many games of the season. He took five three-pointers tonight after taking four on the season coming into it. And, uh, I mean, all kidding aside, he continues to play really well and earn the minutes that he's got. And, uh, I don't know, I just think it's a cool story to see him really continue to build on that. And, you know, Andy Katz, who I thought did a good job on the game tonight, just talked about, you know, he kind of just makes things happen out there and uh, is a guy who's who's really been key to IU in games when they've uh, when they've played well, and I think his emergence is is an interesting piece of the season so far, uh, and one that's exciting. Yep, no doubt about it. Just a, a big relief that Indiana was able to get this win and able to do it in the way they were. And now onward we go to Youngstown State. Hopefully, have one more good performance before we get right back in the thick of Big Ten play. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again after IU Youngstown State and, of course, for Assembly Call Radio next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. And that concludes the radio show portion. So hello to everybody on YouTube. We've got a little bit of extra time here. We had to, this is doubling for the radio show. So we had to be a little bit tighter tonight and fit everything into, uh, to 50 seconds, but we've got, uh, we've got some extra or 50 minutes buff. Yeah. 50 seconds would have been, uh, that would have been tough. That would have been a heck of a show. Um, but we've got a little bit of extra time. One thing I did want to talk with you guys about, and we really didn't fit it in there, uh, into the show, but, Justin Smith and Clifton Moore, because it was nice to see them. I thought Justin Smith, it was really nice to see him, you know, knock down that jump shot, have that possession where he got a couple of blocks. You have to think that'll be a big confidence building performance for him. And Clifton Moore, that guy is a gunner. Like he was determined to score tonight. <laughs> and it was awesome to see him make that yeah. two pointer. Because, I mean, you, you could tell he wanted to get in there and score some points, and he did. Um, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get some more time because. My positive feelings about the team before the season always kind of hinged on those two guys developing and becoming important players. And so far, that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, you think back to, and this is an unfair comparison, but I'm just making it for the context of timing. You know, OG and Juwan, their freshman years, this is about the time they started playing. You know, I think the Rutgers game was the first game where it was like, whoa, this OG guy. You know, we had the, the OG steal and dunk a couple times and was really big in that game. So, you know, maybe... You know, it's taken them this amount of time. And again, they only really got in in garbage time of a game against Tennessee Tech. But I'm hoping, certainly for Justin after how he played, and maybe for Clifton, that it's a sign that maybe they can start getting on the court in some games that mean something and producing something. 
because I think Indiana really needs them too. So yeah, I, I think Justin seemed, you know, we, I think we touched on him after one of the recent recent games. I think there's just a, you know, kind of hitting that wall a little bit, a little bit of the confidence that he had built up seemed to go away just by not playing as much. But I thought he, yeah, had a good few minutes. So hopefully that's something he can build on. I mean, by all measures, the Youngstown State game should be one where he gets another chance at that. And, you know, Clifton Moore, he played only one out of the last eight games. So that just turned him into apparently a 6'10 version of Rod Wilmot coming off the bench and, and just like firing threes. At that <laughs> the point. 6'10 so, Rod Wilmot. <laughs> I mean, Rod pretty close. Man. Um, you know, I, I don't – what what happened with with Smith? I mean, just the Duke game came and then he was gone. Like, well, what? Colin Hartman came back number one, and so he started. Getting and some and of the I minutes. knew that was going to be some of the minutes for sure. I, mean, I think. I think the other thing is Justin has struggled finishing around the rim. You know, he's gotten opportunities, yeah. he's been in the right place, but he struggled, I think, with the physical elements of the game. Um, you know, and that's just from you know uh, reports I've heard just from people close to the bench talking about things Archie says during the game that he gets frustrated at. I think he gets frustrated at you know some sometimes when Justin has had looks at the basket hasn't gone up strong. <laughs> And, and certainly you have to think it's just part of its practice. I mean, one thing I feel like we do know about this coaching staff is they're going to reward guys who practice well. And so with Hartman back and Zach McRoberts making a reemergence, that really took a lot of the minutes Justin would have. And he hadn't done anything, certainly productivity wise, in the, you know, the few games before he really started losing minutes to ward those guys off. So I think it's been all those things. Not that he can't overcome them, but I think that's how we got here. I, I think a little yeah, bit I mean, of it. I, Go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, I think one of the things with him as well is, I mean, his based on the way this roster is constructed, his back, best path to minutes is to take minutes from McSwain in, in theory right. by really playing more inside. I agree. But I also think that's not necessarily an aspect of his game that he's been asked to do a whole lot in the past and maybe something that he's not comfortable with. Some of that's speculative. But, I mean, to me him getting minutes at the three or, or the kinds of things that Hartman is doing probably I could kind of see where you're not going to be at Hartman for that, but it's not a stretch to me to say the minutes that a McSwain got tonight could or should at some point go to Justin Smith. And I, I, and I think, I think that's where I lie too. I mean, you know, I, I, I was all for when Hartman comes back, Justin Smith getting less minutes. I just, I guess I just didn't see. And, and, and I, and, and Jared's points fair too. I mean, I, you know, uh, he has missed around the rim plenty and um and 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 maybe it is a practice thing but i never saw anything in a stat line let's just say that made me think man uh, this guy's just not ready this guy is just not i mean you know um i and i mean it's, it's not like he's still it's not like even when i guess there was well, there was two games. I'm looking at his log now. There was two games where he logged 12 shots against Howard in the second game of the year and 11 shots against Seton Hall in the third game of the year. After that, you know, he, he, two, two, six, one, one, four, one, zero, zero, two. You know, even before his minutes started to taper off before the Duke game, he was only shooting two times, two times, and six times. So it wasn't like he wasn't. It wasn't like he was just throwing up shots and bricking them all over the place. He wasn't even throwing up shots, you know. So I just kind of wondered, you know. I, I guess what I really miss about this team compared to last year is just its overall athleticism, and I feel like, yeah, not that it's terrible, but I just feel like there's some of that lost with this year's team compared to you know, you know based on all the people that left, and Justin Smith could fill that void, 
and um and and you know yeah. for whatever reason he's just not i mean I, I agree and i i think for the future of the program him getting more minutes is a good thing and, and you know it's interesting you look at the two-point field goal percentages between he and mcswain and andy i think you're right that his best path to minutes is to take mcswain's minutes well right now freddie mcswain is a better offensive rebounder uh but you know he's not as efficient actually scoring freddie's shooting 42 percent on twos justin's shooting 47 percent on twos here's where the difference is Freddie's free throw rate is 72%. Now, he's only shooting 50% when he gets to the line, so that's not great. But Justin Smith's free throw rate, which is you know the ratio of free throws to, to field goal attempts, and, and kind of shows when you're on the floor, how often are you getting to the line? It is lower than every player on the team, except for Colin Hartman and Curtis Jones. It's 18.6%. And for a guy of his size and athletic ability, getting the ball in the positions he's getting it in, you know, to not be getting fouled. Part of that may just be because he's a freshman and hasn't been getting some calls. But I just think Archie's mentality, he really seems to side with guys who play physical basketball. And with Justin and Clifton, as they adjust to, you know, to college basketball, the physical part of the game seems to be the thing they're having the hardest time with. So I think if they can show that and, and improve their toughness, I think Justin can do more things for you on the court than Freddie can. But right now, Freddie's tougher and, you know, is able to do more and get more offensive rebounds, at least, you know, over the course of the season, he's been able to. So to me, I think that's where the difference lies. But I think it's something Justin can overcome. I think it was a good sign that he came in, you know, was mentally ready to go in this game today and was productive with his minutes. By the way, just out of curiosity, uh, you were talking about McSwain's free throw percentage. Do you have his totals? It's 50%. He's 12 for 24, and Justin's 8 for 8. I know. That's that's what I was going to – I saw Justin's 8 for 8, and I'm like, well, gosh, he, he might, he's probably made as many – even though he doesn't get the line, he's probably made as many yeah. free throws as Freddie has. But uh, but your point is well taken. I mean, it, it's – you know, and and I and look, I'm the guy who says get the ball inside, pound the, pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. So, I, I you know, I would be a hypocrite if I said, you know, that Justin Smith deserves these minutes, you know, um, for a different reason, because it would have to be a different reason than him getting the ball inside, drawing a foul, or finishing at the hoop, et cetera, et cetera. So I get it. I guess um, you know I, I think where I, I just lie in the athleticism range, and 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 it does kind of irk me that McSwain's hands are sometimes made out of bricks. But other than that, you know, I it, it, all fair points. Uh, all right. What else? Anything else burning on your guys' minds that we should talk about before we get out of here? Not too much. I mean, we touched on McSwain a little bit. I do. I was surprised he kind of rebounded to play as well as as he did yeah. after the start. I thought that was encouraging. I, yeah. I mean, to Zach's point about his hands, I I struggled to understand how guys continue trying to like hit him on the run with passes. And that one that you said, the no, no, no. I was like, you. I would have bet a lot of things would happen before he managed <laughs> yeah. to haul that pass in and and finish. But he didn't. I mean, he had a couple big baskets off of yeah, rebounds and things like that. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah. It, it was it was weird because yeah he he started poorly enough where I'm like once he gets taken out he might not come back in, um, man. Archie, if you yeah. don't get back on transition, you want to talk about when Archie looks like a raving lunatic on the sidelines. Whenever someone doesn't get back on transition, and you can just see him get mad, turn around, and call for someone else to come in, and it's uh, yeah. I mean it's funny to watch. Yeah, the that's the only other guy frustrating, but it's funny. Yeah, the only other guy. That I, I mean, we didn't touch on Devonte a ton other than to kind of mention that with with Archie and him. But yeah, I I can just it, I feel like he just makes Archie want to just pull his hair out. Um, I mean, he was two of ten, one out of six from three in the game, but he had seven rebounds. Yeah, he did assists. rebound well, and and I thought I actually 
I thought he played I think, pretty good I think, defense. I think too. it was his best defensive game. Yeah, I thought he kept guys in front of him. He was active with his hands. I don't, how many steals did he end up with? Uh, two. Mm. Two. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like he had his hands on the ball. So an erratic offensive game, but from a defensive standpoint, I thought he was better. Who do you think is the starting point guard in March? <sighs> I mean... Uh, what, what do you mean by starting? Like, by the, the guy, who would you say it is now? Like, did you say it's Newkirk now or, or Durham? I mean, well, they both start technically. I mean, I guess yeah, that, well, that's, why I, that's why I asked the question. Okay, here's here, just, here's the thing. Know, I kind of just say Newkirk, but, I, but maybe that's just by default. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that. I will. Here, here's an observation that I had in the first half because I thought there was a there was a lineup in there. And I thought, you know what? I think of all the lineups, this is the one that I think I trust the most. And I think it was Green, oh, Robert true. Johnson, McRoberts, Hartman, and Morgan. You know, like I feel like the team is most settled when those guys are out there. Um, right. Now, yeah, Green no, you, obviously, minute, is, and I'll see if I'll see if the numbers back up see, your. Uh, yeah, see see if the numbers back it up. Here. I mean, Green is crazy erratic. We know that, but he also brings some some positive stuff with that erratic play. And I think, you know, Robert Johnson's got to obviously cut down on the turnovers, but he's he can be solid. I, I'm hesitating to say it because we're coming off games where he had six turnovers. But then, you know, McRoberts, Hartman, and Morgan, I think, are usually pretty solid. Those guys don't usually make, like, head-slapping mistakes. So you can kind of help smooth out some of what Devontae and Robert don't do well. And I think playing with McRoberts, Morgan, and Hartman helps to accentuate what those guys do do well. All right. So now, Nanny is going to tell me how wrong I am. It was Green, Hartman... Green, Hartman, Morgan, Roberts, and Robert Johnson. I like that lineup. What do the numbers say? A total of plus fourteen on the uh, on the season in take take out take out McRobert. I don't know how long that. Yeah, I don't know how many minutes this lineup. They take played about McRoberts played about twenty four minutes together, and they're plus fourteen. Not bad. Not bad. That's pretty good. Take out McRoberts and put in Davis. Man, surprisingly, Davis isn't in a lot of the lineups that are doing well. All right, so that would make it at least based on I the got, analysis we did a couple games ago. Really compelling. Uh, YouTube. I won't. I don't say radio. Absolutely, it it, it, it uh, ought to be. Hey, everybody, so everybody was, on YouTube, pick your favorite lineup. Go. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> God yeah, we've got all. we've got Andy here doing live lineup yeah. analysis. Um, <laughs> so we got. So what do we say? It's Davis, Green, Morgan, Hart, Hartman. Hartman. Robert Hartman, <laughs> Johnson, and Morgan. This is, Davis, this is what happens. Davis, Davis, Green, you can do it. Green, Andy. Hartman, Johnson, Morgan. Is that what you said? Yes. It's Tennis. Ne- Tennis has never played together the entire season. No. Really? <laughs> well, that was, hey. that was a dud. So your theory, uh, your memo theory to Archie, could be incorrect. We don't know. That's memo right. To Archie. That's maybe that's the secret lineup that should be playing together. Yeah, you're welcome, America. I mean, <laughs> look in his back pocket. That's right. You know, when they all of a sudden come out of nowhere and win the Big Ten tournament with that lineup, you're welcome. Just remember. The death, the that's Indiana's death one. Post game. That's right. That's when this all came about. It's so deadly, it's never come alive. It's never played. <laughs> yeah. It's so deadly, it's dead. <laughs> Completely dead. All right. Uh, well, And the podcast listeners are going to get to hear this bonus stuff if they hang around. And by the way, if you hang around for this stuff, you are a true assembly call. Oh, you got to hit us up on IU basketball diehard. Listen to this to to this the entire way through. I want to know how many people are I, listening. To OK, this. but but for real, because I, I think it's interesting. I do think that kind of just gut visceral level when you're watching a lineup out there, like when I see McRoberts McSwain play together, 
I just and and Archie actually uses that lineup more than Crean did. Um, again, at least McRoberts is showing an offensive pulse this year, so it's been okay. But there's certain lineups, like I'm not a huge fan of our starters, but there's certain lineups that when they get in there, you kind of feel confident. Um, and and I think you know all everybody has those. Andy, would you be cool if people send you like a, a lineup of five? You know, like at some point over the next few days, you can Uh-oh. tweet now out. You, you put him in a corner. Can, now he has. Yeah, to that's, see us. that's fine. No, you that's can, fine. You can tell him. I can. I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, just don't funny. do it on like. Just don't send it to Andy on like Christmas morning. Yeah. He's gonna be doing stuff. But sorry, sorry, kids. <laughs> <laughs> put sorry, down kids. the presents. Someone sent a lineup in. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure I, he, he probably gets bracketology uh, requests on that day anyway. I you just throw this in there with it. I will say, I will say, so the McRoberts McSwain. So I told you before that what it was before the game. So after tonight, there it's a total of minus 11, but there's 16 different combinations that have included those two together. But it's really funny because if you look down the list, so they're minus 11 in total, there's one of them that is plus 17. <laughs> is that the one where Robert Johnson just went nuts? Well, that was part of it. That's that's 11 of it. Um, and those have both played like the last two games. There, that group, that particular group, so it's Green, Hartman, Johnson, McRoberts, McSwain. They played two times together tonight and were plus six in total, but the other plus 11. But that was when Robert Johnson went on like a personal like eight or nine run the other day. So I struggled to really like you were just I, like you or I could have been out there just to, like as an innocent bystander while that was going on. And it would have been there. But yeah, so surely I mean, you've all already coined that the McDouble. Surely. Uh, we used to call it the McLineup. 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 Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, I think tax Megan did a good uh I'm loving it. Reference to that at some point. I, <laughs> yeah. I, but my credit for that is correct. Well, the know. the most uh, the most egregious part of what you just said, Andy, is that there's 16 different lineup combinations with those two that have already been played this year. Now, most that of them have not been insane. used for very long. But yes, your your point is well taken. <laughs> I, but but to see, I mean, what that tells me is Archie sees those two on the floor, and may not be happy with what's going on. And has decided in at least 15 occasions that someone else other than those two should come off the floor for a new lineup. I have to think it's just because he's been so ticked off at other guys and he just, you know, he's having to run through I guys guess. so fast. I, I, I get, I, I mean, at or maybe that lineup plays well in practice. I don't know. <laughs> at one point, do you not get mad at McSwain and go, okay, sorry, here's the deal. You have to be able to catch the basketball. Yeah. You have to come out. Hey, but. You know, on a night like tonight, Freddie Freddie did his job tonight. He was I know, it was, I know, it was I know. a good bounce back I, look, for him tonight. I, it's gonna sound like um I, I just completely hate Freddie McSwain and I don't. It's just that I I am a big fan of pass catchers. I, I just don't. <laughs> so this is, that was mean. I'm sorry. I take it all back. <laughs> all right. I think on that note, let's uh let's get out of here. I gotta go edit the radio show. We gotta write an email. Um yeah, send Andy if you wanna have some fun with lineups. What's your but don't just send a random one. Like your your the lineup <laughs> that you feel the most one. the most the most confident in. Send it to Andy and see if your hunch is correct. Uh, yeah. Other than that, um, oh, this is gonna be the last time we all talk before Christmas, isn't it? True. True. Merry Christmas. Hey, this is, hey, this is already. the teams off until after Christmas. That means we have to be too, right? That's right. Yeah, we are off. It's kind of nice that there was a game and assembly call radio here on one night, so we were able to do it all in in yeah, one yeah. night. Uh, but thanks everybody for. That's right. That is right. Uh, yeah. So thanks everybody for being here. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Have a wonderful few days. Um, and we'll be here to, uh, to talk after IU Youngstown state. Hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Yep. Thanks y'all. See ya. Talk to you soon. 
Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you.